like a bag of Cheetos like anyone else, but you fill up part of it with shit. I'm going to be kind of upset. <laughs> Have you heard the saying, what's two scoops of ice cream and two scoops of shit? What is two scoops of ice cream and two scoops of shit? Four scoops of shit. There we go. Yeah, but I didn't think it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we just have like a, this fundamental disagreement. Shot through the heart, and you're to blame. You give love a bad name. I play my part, and you play your game. You give love a bad name. Roman, we've been buds for a while. If I were being hunted by an assassin. Would you ever be willing to dress up like me and take the bullet on my behalf? It depends what I would have to dress like, but I'm leaning towards a yeah, no. No. Then you'll never be a hero like Christopher Chance, the human target, who disguises himself like people who've been marked for murder and takes the hit for them. My health insurance isn't nearly good enough for that. So if someone were trying to kill me, which, what should I do? Well, I think you'd have to go to a farm upstate. I'm Ryan Joe. And I'm Roman Segal. And we are two guys who are probably better suited for desk jobs. Not that there's anything wrong with that. This week, we continue our journey through the alphabet, where H is for the human target. The slam-bang action TV series from 2010 on Fox that offers a solid mix of action, comedy, and thrills. Ryan, the Human Target TV show was canceled after two seasons. Whoa, it bit the bullet? (laughs) And secondly, the Human Target is actually the second incarnation of a character by the same name. This more recent iteration was created by Len Wein and Carmen Infantino in 1972 in backup stories of Superman action comics. Ryan's TV summary, though, is pretty on point as the character has been interpreted by many over the years, including an early 2000s Vertigo run by Peter Milligan. But this week, we're reading the 2022 Human Target limited series by Tom King and Greg Smallwood. You'll remember how much we love Tom King for multiple previous episodes like Mr. Miracle and Superman, Woman of Tomorrow. Uh, It's more like love-hate, to be honest. (laughs) In this latest series, Christopher Chance, a.k.a. The Human Target, is on his latest case protecting Lex Luthor when things go sideways. An assassination attempt on Luthor that Chance didn't see coming leaves him vulnerable and left trying to solve his own murder as he has 12 days to discover just who in the DC Universe hated Luthor enough to want him dead by slow-acting poison. And the prime suspects happen to be the Justice League International? In this hard-boiled detective story, Chance finds himself interrogating the cast of characters from the famed 1987 series by Keith Giffen. We're talking Ice, Fire, Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, Guy Gardner, Gnort, Martian Manhunter, Rocket Red, and even the Shadow of the Batman. There are twists and turns, a little bit of lovemaking, and a whole lot of drinking. So Ryan, you know me. I love me some classic noirs with a little bit of superheroics thrown in. What did you think of Tom King's Human Target? So high level, really, really love the art. I mean, it's just a completely unique oh my God. aesthetic. <laughs> You're leading with the art. Oh God. I am leading with the art because I didn't, I like the idea behind it, like at the higher level as well, but I really didn't like the actual story. I felt it was pretty much all style and no substance. So I ultimately did not like this, this, the human target. <laughs> did you, but did you like it? I had so much fun. Oh. Yeah, it was it was silly. It was easy. It was, you knew who did it from like the moment that yeah. spoiler, she walks on the screen, right? Right. Like, but, but you're kind of entranced by like this romance uh, that's kind of 
brewing. I, I, I don't know. I just, I just had fun with it. And you knew where it was going. You knew every issue was going to be like a weird interrogation of the characters. And each of them was a little weird. Blue Beetle, I enjoyed. Martian right. Manhunter, I had to read twice because I didn't get it until I finished the whole thing. And I had to reread it again. Batman was great. Guy Gardner was great. Like, I, it was fun. Have you read the Keith Giffen run of Justice League International? I have it now. See, I, I'd suggested that as companion reading. Maybe it was a little bit of the fan service of it, but because it was just like sticky crime noir with the Justice League International with the romance story. So, yeah, so cool. that's why I like the idea of it. It's just if you have a crime noir, I kind of wish you'd have some sort of mystery to it. And I kind of wish that the characters wouldn't just fit neatly into the archetypes that are so familiar in crime noir. The human target, Christopher Chance, is masculine, good-looking, cocky, kind of gets his ass kicked. He's kind of a typical noir detective. Ice, she's a femme fatale. You don't know what way is up, what way is down. You don't know whether she's on your side or trying to lead you astray. And She's drop-dead gorgeous. But again, I've seen that character before. She's the typical <laughs> femme fatale. And so I, you, I keep... Actually, I did like Ice towards the end, where she started to kind of have more agency. But... I felt like these characters were falling into these very familiar archetypes. But aside from having some superpowers, they weren't really doing much beyond that. And you even have the central romance between Ice and the human target, which I had no idea why they were romantically involved. I mean, I know they're both gorgeous people. She's gorgeous. He's gorgeous. Why not have them shack up? But well, she's she's. Well, I mean, if you figure it out that it's her early on, you know, oh, yeah, she's playing him, of course, and that's a, him, right? right, and that's a little bit of a disappointment, though. The fact that, uh huh, okay, I think I know who did it from where it go. I was like, well, that actually is kind of my issue. You who did it very early on, and and they 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 keep. No, to be fair, it's like three to four issues in before it's like completely obvious. The minute she like starts holding his hand, blah blah blah. Like by that point, maybe that was. Issue here's two. here's I the thing. Know. Very early on, they hint very strongly that ice had something to do with it. They hint very strongly that fire had something to do with it. The involvement of Guy Gardner and Martian Manhunter is a little bit unexpected, but their involvement seems so slight that it, well, maybe not Guy Gardner's, but it doesn't really have much of an impact. And their motivation for doing it seems a little bit weird as well, because, or not weird, but just it it seems it, it doesn't have any real dramatic heft because why are they doing it? Well, because Lex Luthor somehow lured a supervillain to Earth, who which resulted in the death of Ice. So they're doing it to avenge Ice, who is still alive. Yet she never really died. She was resurrected. So the whole rationale for them tr going on this revenge kick against Lex Luthor seems so toothless to me. And that was also disappointing. It was just completely drained of any stakes, of any urgency. Yes, there were fun things throughout. Like, I liked Booster Gold. I liked the interactions with Blue Beetle. But there's nothing much kind of beyond that. It's like... Back to, it's, back to stakes really quick. Something that I did find disappointing is it's, it's DC's Black Label, which is kind of their new version of Vertigo, which DC just needs to bring Vertigo back. So it's kind of an right. Elseworlds Vertigo type tale. So... Even though these are familiar characters, this isn't impacting mainline continuity. And so maybe Ice won't be a killer in the mainline continuity, but she's a B-list character. But it 
you know, kind of throughout the whole thing, I catch myself saying, well, they're not going to make it be a mainline character like Guy Gardner or Martian Manhunter or even Blue Beetle or Booster Gold. So it kind of narrows it down to fire and ice, effectively, because well, it's a shit about Rocket Red. But I, I guess the point is, because it's Black Label, they could have had more fun with this. They could have. Like, they really could have. Yeah. I actually think because it's not in the, it's not in continuity, right? Black Label is not like it's like Vertigo, it's like an Elseworld sort of situation, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a lot of opportunity to really fuck up things in a way that, like, and, Alan and, when, Moore... and when they kind of when you think Guy Gardner is dead midway through it, you're like, wow, they really swung for the fences, right? You could, you and could, then fuck... they pull, and they pull it back, and, and he's back. and he's alive, right? So you actually have a lot more opportunity with this sort of stuff to actually really add some stakes to make characters really betray other characters to really fuck some shit up. And ultimately, King really doesn't. And I felt that was such a big disappointment. I mean, I contrast that actually with Mr. Miracle, which I really liked. Did you read Strange Adventures, the thing you did after Mr. Miracle? I read, no. Was that also by Tom King? Tom King. It's about Adam Strange. No, I, I, so the only Tom King I've read was Supergirl, Mr. Miracle, and the one with the White Lantern. I forgot. I'll, what, who was that? Omega, Omega Man. You, Omega one Man. of the first comics you gave me, actually. Yeah, I gave it to you because I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't like it either. You were like, you like Green Lantern. You'll like this. And I was like, no. Yeah, I was like, maybe. Yeah, so so the I guess I guess of the four Tom King I've read, I've, I've liked one of them. And I really liked the one that I, which was Mr. Miracle, because that was just so surprising to me. And it felt like it had just such real stakes. Like Mr. Miracle was going through this complete depression and you don't actually even know how it ends. And I, I actually really love the idea of him playing with Mr. Miracle, his ability to free himself. Can he free himself from this crippling depression? That was really interesting to me because obviously it's usually these physical acts. So it was just a really wonderful way of re-envisioning the character. And not only that, but he had this love with his wife, Big Barda, and why they love each other. And I think he's got this family that he has to protect. And now we look at, compare that with the human target, and there really aren't any stakes. He's going to die. He wants to find the person who killed, who, who poisoned him for reasons that, again, don't make a lot of sense to me because getting shot, getting poisoned, having his life put in danger, or even being killed, that's kind of like part of his job. That's all in a day's work for him. I mean, so I, it doesn't make sense to me that he's so mad that he wants to go and take out the person who accidentally poisoned him. Just because it's like the hazards of his nine to five. But I mean, I think were were you coming into this like serious? Like to me, this was kind of more of a dramedy than a noir. Like it was, and maybe it's because of the hijinks of the Justice League International, but dialed up a notch from a serious. It, it felt like a very special, more serious episode of Scrubs. <laughs> like, like I didn't take it too seriously, and I just for that reason, I was more touched by it. I enjoyed it more. But I, I fell into the drama a little more. Like, I knew it was kind of shticky, but it was fine. I don't mind shticky. I, I guess for me, if you make decisions that completely take me out of the drama, which mm. Tom King did kind of consistently, like, oh, I know who the hero, I know who the villain is, or I know who the killer is, his motivation doesn't make sense, nothing, nothing makes sense, suddenly I'm kind of wrapped in those questions rather than just kind of going with the flow, right? So suddenly I'm starting like thinking like, hey, is this happening? This makes no damn sense. Why are we suddenly having this sort of like detour with Rocket Red? Why well, should I be should I be upset when Rocket Red threatens to drop him from the earth? Because he's going to die in a couple of days anyway. 
So there's right. no. Right. So I'm like I said, like yeah, I took it seriously and that I expected a good story. And when things happen that break the the flow of the story, the believability of the narrative, the believability of the characters, yeah, it's a little bit disappointing to me. I like a bag of Cheetos like anyone else, but you fill up part of it with shit. I'm 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 going to be kind of upset. <laughs> Have you heard the saying, what's two scoops of ice cream and two scoops of shit? What is two scoops of ice cream and two scoops of shit? Four scoops of shit. There we go. Yeah. But I, I didn't think it was. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I think I think we just have like a, yeah. this fundamental disagreement. I, I think you were able to kind of just like lock into like the narrative and just kind of enjoy it for what it was. I was just really distracted by some of the decisions that Tom King made. I mean, even at the very beginning, <laughs> for whatever reason, I was thinking, okay, so he dresses up like Lex Luthor and takes the bullet. But how does he know that the assassin is going to strike at that moment? Why is it at that moment that he decides to dress up like Lex Luthor? What if the assassin decides to strike the next day or the day after? With a cup of coffee or right. something. Right. So it's sort of like, well, how? why is that the day that you are, that you think you well, can that's when the, Okay. Well, but I mean, sure. I, and actually what I don't know, because I have not watched the hitbox show i've not i kind of do want to read the vertigo peter milligan run now i grabbed it but it's does he have powers like does he have superpowers or does he just disguise himself like like can he take a bullet and survive is he immortal like well, and then he's definitely not immortal yeah poison at least right so i don't think he can take a bullet i think he's like a normal guy he's kind of like batman right he's got a shtick he's but so then how does he take a bullet for lex luther well he has a i think he has a bulletproof vest Got it. Okay, that's all it is. Yeah, he's got he's got like little gimmicks that Lex either said, "What if he shot you in the head?" I don't think he had an answer for that one. But the art was good. The, well, the, no, the artist. I, I I would say the art is. I think the art is fantastic. I really love the aesthetic. I just wish it supported a better story. <laughs> well, what what resonated with you? Because I think yeah, you obviously had a much more positive impression than I did. I mean, again, you kind of hope it's not going to be ice, but then you kind of see, because it could it be fire. There's so many reasons it could be fire. It could be Guy Gardner. Maybe I haven't read enough Crime Noir. And so you're just kind of hoping against hope that it legitimately isn't her. And I'm a sap. You're watching these characters kind of fall in love. Or is she playing him? I hope not. All these things. So that was nice. I have read the Justice League International. It's sitting on my bookshelf. It's hilarious it's just stupid right about these kind of loser heroes getting together and so it was kind of revisiting old friends through a more serious lens and there is that kind of alpha maleness of christopher chance like he's so cool you want to hang with him he's dying of poison and coughing up blood as shown on kind of like the calendars that show in between every issue but all he does is drink to kind of get through it so there's just a lot of veneer that are and the art. Yeah. I mean, it cannot cannot stop talking about the art, but like, it just felt really slick, and I enjoyed it. It went down really easy. It was a very smooth bourbon, as smooth as weird intergalactic water, apparently, <laughs> which is the poison. No, no, so I, what you're I, saying I, is this book is poison. What you're saying is this book is poison. Well, I agree with you on like it, it. It is just a really wonderfully styled book. I just love the art, and I would like to see well, who's the artist. Smallwood, Brad Smallwood. Mm-hmm. I let's just say Smallwood. I don't know if his first name is Brad, but I, I think he's a, what wow. a fantastic artist. What a fantastic storyteller, and it's a really unique aesthetic that I just really haven't seen 
before. And he's a, a really just an exceptional storyteller. And also like the way the colors work. The art's both very intricate and also very simple. I like when like when he shows fire, for instance, and she's like lights the flame. It's just like these very simple, blocky shapes. But at the same time, the art underneath it, like her her lips and her finger are so like so detailed. So yeah, there's 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 quite a bit that I, I, I like about this book visually. I do prefer to read like comics in their comic pulpy paper form. This is one I read on the tablet. And there were just so many in and, and when I see art that I like or articles that I headlines I find interesting, I screenshot them. And I probably screenshot it like six or seven pages as I was reading this because they were just beautiful. Like yeah. the scene where Chance dies. And there's all the moments where Ice kind of or Tora, I think is her name where she kind of checks to see if he's breathing. And then there's the moment of just her collapsed on the ground crying. And it's just, there's so many beautiful or poignant moments in it. And that's equally part storytelling. Like I wouldn't have felt that moment if I didn't believe in what those characters are going through. And it sounds like you weren't believing it then. He's very like, like in, in those moments, it looks great. Like the, I think he's really good at, he has this like really still frame, right? Where he just kind of shows like the same shot, but a character kind of like slowly interacting. I think like when Ice kind of like initially finds Chance unresponsive, she's sleeping on his chest. She looks up, she looks at him and then she realizes, oh fuck, he's not, he's not breathing. Uh, moments like that are just really well done. My issue is, okay, so she's really upset that he's dead, but they just kind of met. They had like a six-day fling. I mean, how serious can you be? And I think there's a probably like this element of like, I don't really believe this romance. They're thrown together because they're good-looking people, and the detective always has to have a fling with a femme fatale. Always has to just be like knocked head over heels for her. And I just didn't buy it. Like, why are they so attracted to each other? And what is the basis of their attraction? And... To me, it just seemed like they were attracted to each other because a story needed them to be. And I mean, there is, I guess, an element in all fem- in all noir where the dame walks into the detective's office and it's like a 32 slug just hit him in the heart. But mm-hmm. it's an old trope. And I guess I'm just a little tired of that. <laughs> I think that's actually kind of a burden, I think, of... of a lot of these comics that are taking old storytelling forms like noir and trying to place like superheroes in them or trying to revive them in a way that's really convincing is that yes, you have this real stylization that you can kind of really glom onto. But on the other hand, you've got this minefield of storytelling cliche that can really, for me at least, undermine the impact any emotional or dramatic impact you can kind of see from like a mile away where the story is inevitably going. And I feel like, but is that, is that the fault of, because a cliche is a cliche, a stereotype is a stereotype because of all the precedent that came before it. Yeah. It doesn't have a chance in hell then, or, or do you think there are unique ways to kind of take it and twist it on its head? Oh, there are unique ways to take it and twist it on its head. And I kind of expect that. And maybe Mm. I expect too much. I feel like, I'm trying to think of like a really good example in comics where they do that. And I'm having a little, well, maybe, I mean, Watchmen is an example of a story where they take elements, right, of noir. But that's not like the whole story. That's just an aspect of the mm. story. I'm, I'm tr- 
I saw a movie recently called Cure that I really like, and it's a serial killer movie. And if I were to tell you the plot, it's a Japanese movie, and if I were to tell you the plot, you'd be like, ugh, sounds lame. But the director very cleverly subverts your expectations of what a serial killer movie should be, which is, and it starts out all kind of like, in a way, kind of cliche. People are dead. And the detective kind of mm-hmm. works his way through leads to finally work his way towards the killer. And then the movie starts to really take some surprising turns. Everything you expect from a serial killer movie does not happen. Or the opposite happens. Mm. And I, I kind of feel like when you're adding superheroes to these old formats, I expect you not to just be like, okay, it's a basic noir crime hardboard detective story with superheroes i expect you to actually do something interesting and really surprising from a narrative standpoint tip your hat at the cliches maybe kind of like lead me astray by falling into them for a little bit but then subvert my expectations and that's why i was so disappointed with human target it had everything set up in the beginning to subvert expectations and it didn't where was the moment where you knew that wasn't going to happen. I kind of felt it early on. The reason I felt that early on was because I was thinking of Supergirl, which I didn't like, which was I felt was like true grit with Supergirl in the role of Rooster Cogburn. And so I, I was kind of prepared in a way. I was a little bit jaded. I was prepared in a way to not be surprised. I would say maybe the second fight with, or the third fight with Guy Gardner, uh, there's a lot of fights with Guy Gardner. The guy's an asshole. But he's always kind of showing up and being like, you're fucking with my girl and we're going to fight. And the second and third time that happened, I just knew because it's like, oh, you're repeating yourself. I've seen this before. And yeah, the third time they kind of, they kill Gard- Guy Gardner. They put that in quotation marks. But there'd been like a series of Guy Gardner confrontations. And after a while it becomes a little bit a little bit boring a little bit kind of like yeah so i don't know i guess i guess when i started seeing like patterns and maybe he started repeating things and and also like really started to go astray i feel like with rocket red and i know that's more towards the end but then it kind of felt really like he's introducing a new superhero for chance to interact with and what are they really adding to anything other than kind of like an episode of interaction with a, with a kind of like a weird superhero? Like, how does Nort move things forward? I think it's a fan service thing. That's- uh, you got three. Oh, my God. There's how many episodes of fucking fan service do it? How many issues of fan service? But, do that's, the whole, but that's the whole thing. But so, so but to be fair, like so coming in as someone who doesn't have any predilection for the JLI, I get it. I get where you're coming from. But. Maybe this, and again, the thing should be able to stand up on its own, but there were like a gazillion B-listers in the JLI, and this was kind of like a greatest hits reunion. It was kind of like Picard season three. Gotta have our episode that dives into where have they been? What are they doing? Let's have some fun with them. Like Guy Gardner was the fucking punching bag of the JLI, and I get it. It was kind of tired, like by the third time he shows up, but like him being the like the bait and switch, so to speak, like. I, get paid uh, I, off. I, I think I think he absolutely should have died. Like I think the one thing it could have done that would have taken this taken this from being good to great 
as if he actually was dead. If they were actually complicit in his murder. And, right. And, that and even up... if Christopher Chance was like, oh, we didn't really do it, did we? I, You were faking it. And they're like, no, he's dead. Because there's a, for a moment, you actually think he's dead. Like, when yeah. you're going up against Rocket Red, you're like, wow, there are fucking consequences here. To right. me, that was the moment where it went from being a really fucking awesome book to being pretty good. It was a pretty good ride. I was surprised when they killed Guy Gardner and then disappointed when I realized that they didn't. Because I I felt like that is an opportunity to really deal with consequences, consequences of guilt of what you're doing. How far, Chance, do you want to take this little mission of yours? But again, like all things, I guess, no one's ever really dead in the superhero world, except for Christopher Chance. And if no one's really dead in the world of superheroes, what does it matter? Who gets poisoned? Who dies? And but, 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 but yeah, to that, what's the point of fucking Black Label? What's the point of fucking Vertigo? Like, if you can't really go take right. swings and, and go with them. I, w- I will say I do I do kind of like how he handled Batman as this. He never really shows up. He's just a presence, but he's a presence that freaks out Chance. And that's actually would have been really cool if he played with that almost like throughout the series because it's only one issue where he's really afraid of Batman. And I can't He's not the what... alpha male. He's not the alpha male. Right. No. Right, and and Batman is this presence, and he's just super paranoid about being. And it's sort of like, and then it only happens for one issue. It I, mean, I guess it happens because he thinks he murdered Guy Gardner, which, by the way, you could say is sort of justified considering Guy Gardner is such a fucking douchebag. I mean, by the way, he he did try to shoot Guy Gardner a couple of times, so it's not like maybe one time the bullet gets through. It's not like he hadn't been taking shots at Guy, lethal shots at Guy. Should have been using a, a yellow bullet. Yellow yeah, should have exactly, but. Yeah, I, I, the idea of, of Batman being a presence who just really freaks out Chance um, is really cool. And I think that actually something, I guess something that I feel like could have permeated the whole book if you really wanted to use it effectively rather than it being mm. just sort of like confined to, and here's the Batman episode. Mm-hmm. There's a, I was actually, as he interrogates or interviews Blue Beetle, he interviews Booster Gold to try to get information. I'm actually kind of on board. The The episode being sort of episodic, where he, the issues being episodic, where each time he has an encounter with a member of the JLI, and he either puts him on the path or throws him off the path. But there's de- it definitely gets to a point where it just starts to take a detour into like Nort and Rocket Red, and it's sort of like, okay, we're not even investigating the mystery anymore. We're, mm-hmm. we're focused on something else. Which, by the way, Meaning to ask you, what was the thing with Martian Manhunter? He lets Martian Manhunter kind of probe him, and in getting probed by him, he probes back because he has some sort of like training in that. Is that right? That's yeah. I had to read it a second time because okay. that one chapter goes back and forth. And yeah, so he and he basically knew what he was getting into. He knew Martian Manhunter was going to probe him upon meeting him, and uh, use that to his advantage to kind of find out how was Martian Man was Martian Manhunter complicit. And if so, how? Yeah, okay. And it was, so when Martian Manhunter reaches into him, it basically kind of creates a little door for him to reach right back out. Exactly. Okay, I wasn't sure if I was reading that right. Yeah, I kind of like the way he Tom King plays with these powers. Sometimes it gets a little, little bit ludicrous, like when he like defeats Guy Gardner with like a peanut. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was just hoping for more, especially when you open the book, you look at the covers. It's such a visual impact. It's a little bit disappointing that it just doesn't live up to the package, I guess. 
I see what you're saying, and I think the fan service kind of got me over the hump and let me have fun with it. Yeah. And maybe I haven't read enough noir. So let me ask you kind of the age-old question. Would you recommend this to someone? Not really. It is a cool book. I definitely recommend maybe like flipping through it and just kind of appreciating it visually. I can't say I would... Yeah, I would really recommend picking it up and giving it a good read. So you're I one would... for three on Tom King. You're yeah, one I wish... On... I... One and a half for three. Yeah, I, I wish I were a little bit more because I really did like Mr. Miracle. Now, that one I would recommend unequivocally. I thought that book was just so smart and heartbreaking. I've just, I'm just really disappointed that, that his other <laughs> stuff hasn't really hit home. I kind of feel the same way I think about Brian Vaughn. Like, I really like Saga. But I really did not like like Why the Last Man um, and some of his other stuff. Well, how about you? I, I think you would, right? Yeah, I would. But now I, it's like, I, this is going to sound bad, and I love you, man, but I, maybe I wouldn't recommend it to any of my literary snob friends who have read a lot more noir <laughs> or who don't want to treat this like just a fucking goofy comic book that's trying to take itself seriously versus this is a serious piece of noir that's going to have twists and turns like if you take it at face value and you have a little bit of respect for and i know you do because you're steeped in it but like i only read the the keith jiffin justice league international because everyone was like this is like arguably so off kilter justice league you have to read it um yeah so i i had an appreciation of what i was getting into like i got the gag as we were going into it Versus, I think the gags went over your head because you have no appreciation for the sticks. <laughs> I don't think it's my fault. It makes it seem like it's my fault for this. It's like, <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is maybe I wouldn't recommend it to someone who hasn't read JLI. Or I'd be like, hey, before we go read this, like maybe I wouldn't give this to a non comic book person. Or maybe I would if it's surface level, like someone who likes the MCU. Or, but like, yeah, I'd be like, hey, did you ever read Justice League International? You've got to read this. Maybe that's where I would go. So I think, I hate to say it, I'd keep it with surface level people, people who aren't going to interrogate it, who aren't going to... So, okay, I, I, here's why I push back on that one, because the, the book has so many references, I feel like, right? I mean, the style of the book is like pure noir. So... For sure. It's, but you it's probably, I, I, would argue, I would argue you've read more noir than I have. But it's a mystery. I mean, why the very nature of a murder mystery is to interrogate the narrative to try to figure out who the murderer is. I mean, if you don't want the book to be freaking interrogated, don't make it a murder mystery. <laughs> that's why, that's I why, that's do, my push. I do, I do agree. There, I do agree. There could have been more twists and turns with the murder, but it was also just kind of like a semi-serious romp with no stakes. Cause it's fucking superhero comics. Well, Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's why I've stopped <laughs> stopped enjoying superhero comics so much. Like I said, man, it's like a lot of them is sort of like you open that bag of Cheetos and you know exactly what you're going to get, and it's good. It's good. I love a, I love a bag of Cheetos, but like hey, can I, can, I had a revelation about Cheetos the other day. Can I? Yeah, tell me. Can I see if you agree with this? I think like there's so many markers of adulthood, uh, being financially independent making your first major purchase, be it a home, a car, all of these things, right? Marriage, kids, whatever. But I had a marker of adulthood the other night. I was watching TV with my wife and I was eating a bag of Cheetos. And at the end of eating said bag of Cheetos, my fingers were encrusted with the cheesy Cheeto-ness. The mark of adulthood is not licking your fingers. It's going to the sink and washing your hands. I think the mark of adulthood is eating Cheetos with chopsticks. (laughs) 
my my Baroon, friend of the pod, he said the mark of adulthood is knowing to not eat Cheetos at night. <laughs> well, I, I will still eat Cheetos at night. Have you tried eating them with chopsticks though? I'm serious. I have. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's too much work, and I'm quite good with chopsticks. I want to get my hands dirty while I'm eating them, but I don't want to lick my fingers. All right. Well. well. Yeah. <laughs> I like how our philosophy can always be described by the way we eat a bag of Cheetos or whether we eat it at all. I don't know, Ryan. I I actually have another question for you. What are we reading next week? Which is where we come back to I because that's the next letter in the alphabet. And next week we're going to be reading It's Lonely at the Center of the Earth by Zoe Thorogood, who is a, like an indie cartoonist. And in this book, I think this is the book that put her on the map, correct me if I'm wrong. It's basically about six months of her life where things go completely fucking haywire for her. And she's basically recounting how she survived that particularly dark period. I'm really looking forward to this. Roman, you were the one who first mentioned Zoe Thorogood to me. I looked at some of her art she it looks fantastic. It looks like a really interesting, intimate, personal book that we can interrogate deeply, unlike unlike Human Target. <laughs> For that, we just have to interrogate your taste deeply. But yeah. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of books we read at qtdcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right and what Ryan got wrong. qtdcomics at gmail.com. Give you a social media handle, but we're old, and that feels like too much work. I'm Roman Segel. And I am and have always been Ryan Joe. Is what you sell Promise me heaven Then put me through hell Chains of love Gotta hold on me When passion's a prison You can't break free
Bye-bye. Bye-bye.